to another episode of Journey to the Rise. In today's episode, we talk with Chris D'Amico. You may remember Chris from a previous podcast that I had shared in an earlier episode of Journey to the Rise. A lot has changed for Chris in the past eight years, and I had him open up and really dig into his journey. What was fun for me during this conversation was the easement of talking to Chris. For someone at his level of success, he is humble and incredibly down to earth. We talk about how simply being kind to others, maintaining a level of curiosity in the world we live in, and working collectively towards a common goal can inspire us and lead us to opportunities. There's so much to dive into with this conversation, so let's not wait any longer. Please welcome my guest, Chris D'Amico. This talented photographer has been to 41 states, 24 countries. He has photographs, portraits, industries, food, creates images to show and tell. He straddles the line of traditional advertising and new media, and we get to kind of dive in and learn a little bit about him today. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's kind of wild being on a thing with you. I know. It is kind of crazy. I'm grateful yeah. you're here. Oh, thanks. You're too kind. We've known each other <laughs> a long time, so this is fun. A long time, yeah. yeah. I know. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you. So I want to kick it off from the beginning of Chris D'Amico. Where did you grow up? Um, wow, going way back. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of grew up all over. My dad was in medical research, um, and he went to school actually at the University of Rome. So I, I was there until I was like... I say six, I think technically it was like five and a half. Um, and then we moved to New York and between, that would have been 83 and 89, I lived in New York, Connecticut, Minnesota, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, um, and I'm missing one. And one more, somewhere in there. And then we moved to Nashville. So it was wow. just like, bing, 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 just all, all over. Um, just him going for different contracts, you know, it was all medical research. So it was, you know, six months here, eight months here, you know, look at this study, look at that study. Um, so really all over. And then once we got to Tennessee in um, 89, I was 10 and we just kind of, kind of stayed, um, which is nice because I've still got, i got friends from, you know, middle school. I still connect with every now and then. So. Oh, that's nice. Because it can be a challenge for kids to move around a lot. That's really fun that you still stay in touch with them. It's, um, I tell what, so I've got, I've got two boys now. Um, one's in middle school, one's in high school. And one of the things my wife and I talked about was really making sure that, um, we stayed in, um, kind of that same community so they could have kind of some deep roots. Um, and it's been interesting because a lot of what I attributed to my, um, ability to have a conversation with a brick wall, um, is for that moving around constantly. But I've noticed a similar quality in both my kids that they've never met a stranger. So maybe that's a genetic thing. And it just, <laughs> I've been attributing the wrong thing the whole time. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting kind of seeing them have kind of the opposite experience I did where I was just all over the place all the time. And they've, you know, I mean, the, the house we brought them home to is a mile from the house we live in now. So it's, Aww. we have not gone very far. Yeah. So. That's nice, though. So do you think that aspect of moving around a lot kind of of your childhood shaped you for your future and being so personable? 
Um, I, I think, I think it helps because, you know, you got to make friends. I'm, I don't think I'm a natural extrovert, but I would say I'm an extroverted introvert, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like, um, you know, traveling as much as we did, because we would even, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how many times people have moved, but it's not like you just like pack up and move, right? You go to the city, you hang out there, you see a couple houses, you do some things, eat somewhere, you maybe go to a show or to a game or a whatever, and then you come home and you talk about it and then you make a deal on a thing. And right. So we I felt like we were constantly almost interviewing where dad was going. Even as a little kid, I remember when we landed in Minneapolis, we initially looked at living in St. Paul and I forget the name of the little town. There's a little town in between Minneapolis and St. Paul that we looked at, but it was the middle of spring when we, when we looked and everything was so picturesque and my mom was like this is gonna be terrible in the winter these tiny little roads we've got to have decent sized roads because they get so much snow and so we decided to move effectively into um ugh, i can't remember the neighborhood in minneapolis but a great little suburb in minneapolis well by the time we moved it was october and the first snow had already fallen and so by oh, november no. we were under two feet of snow <laughs> no, no but it was really it was really interesting, though, to experience that because I had come from, at that point, we were in New York, New York proper, uh, a lot of family in Brooklyn and Bronx. Um, so culturally, that was a huge shift to go from New York to the Midwest, you know, and yeah. go from, you know, New York snow, which, you know, hey, it's cities, hey, forget about it, you know, to, to Midwestern snow, which is a different animal. Um, anyway, just, I feel like even things like that, when I think about you know, somebody talks about like an ideal photograph or an ideal scene of like the snowy countryside. Immediately, my brain goes to, you know, seven-year-old me walking out the front door and, and literally being up to snow up to here, seeing all these little <laughs> picturesque houses down these little roads, you know. Um, so I think that travel did affect a lot of that. And then we were there for, I don't think we were there for nine months. So I started school late had to make a bunch of friends. And then I left school before it was finished that next year, only to make friends again and then run into the summer. So it's like, Oh my gosh. I, I learned how to make friends quickly. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. And so you end up in Tennessee. Where did you decide to go to college? So I went to UT Knoxville. Um, I felt like when I was picking schools, I wanted a, um, I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. <laughs> I knew that I wanted, um, I wanted a place that had, had a decent program. When I went, I initially wanted to, thought I was going to be an engineer. thought I was going to go be an aerospace engineer or whatever. I don't even know. That was, that's yeah. like me from another lifetime talking. And, um, so we looked at all these like engineering based schools and there were all these, you know, great schools, but in these tiny towns, um, you know, little, little map dots. Um, so when we toured UT, um, you know, it was the first place that I'd ever stepped on that felt like a college, which is funny because we live here in Nashville, which is a college town. How many colleges <laughs> are there around here? I my parents so no, let's drive three hours away not just hey let's let's go to belmont or let's go to lipscomb or let's go to one of these other great colleges and right here mtsu you know no 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 no. TSU, let's drive three yeah, and a half hours away mm 
<laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, there's in another time zone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Another time zone. Um, but it was the first, there's a, there's a building on campus called Ayers Hall and it's this like nod to, you know, this kind of true collegiate architecture, American collegiate architecture, right? It's that kind of colonial style. And I just remember seeing that being like, oh, okay, this is, this is real. I like this. And that kind of helped me make a decision in a weird way. Making a decision on aesthetics for college, not recommended. Yeah. Don't do it. Had a great education <laughs> there. <laughs> Had a great time there. Um, but yeah, I majored in media arts there too. I, um, I started in engineering about halfway through my freshman year. I thought this is not for me. Um, I just, engineers are great. And I have a lot of friends that are engineers. My mind doesn't work like those folks mind do. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it had nothing to do with like, I couldn't the classwork or this that it's just the 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 thought process was totally different because they're like linear you know everything's got a spreadsheet everything's lined out and i'm over here looking out the window going huh i didn't think it was supposed to rain today do you guys think it was gonna rain today and they're like are you not focusing i'm like yeah, yeah i'm thinking about it and they're like what are you doing sit down <laughs> uh, so i just kind of have this rabbit trail brain that i think a lot of creatives share um and so one thing led to another. I did a stint in graphic design, and then that design um, turned into photography, and the kind of rest is history. That's amazing. And I think a lot of people, they they get very caught up on what school they need to go to. I must major in this. And like you, you even said like engineer was you know a lifetime ago. But I think that's more common, and I think it would be nice if more college students and those in high school going into college could hear that so that pressure that you have to decide could be lifted because i mean halfway through your freshman year like this is not for me and that is so okay yeah. it is so okay and i mean you turned out pretty good i also feel like with to your point i mean the price of college it's like give it a minute you know mm -hmm. i mean i don't know i guess my generation is that one where it was like or like, as soon as we get done, we're going to do this. We're going to try to chase the suburban house. We're going to do, you know, and it's just kind of like, what, what in the world? Who, who said that to us? That's right. ridiculous. So mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I mean, I'm thinking uh, UT, I don't remember what it cost when I was there. Not nearly what it costs now. Um, but sure. even still, I'm like, even if it, even if it was like, I don't know, $10, right. I could have saved my parents five bucks if I would have stopped and been like, you know, what? I'm going to take a semester off think about my life and then you know what I mean it's yeah. like I don't know yeah so, and I went to college with a girl that every semester she it, it was a two-year university so you didn't have to pick a major but every semester she would take her generals but then dive into one particular subject and then the next semester she'd dive into another subject and she did this for four semesters so that by the time she was a junior she's like I don't like any of this. I'm going to go in this direction. And I'm thinking, man, that's brilliant. I wish, I don't know who gave her this idea or if she, people are calling her flaky, but by the end of the sophomore semester, like the year, I'm like, no, that's actually really smart. There's no flakiness about that. I bet she is a incredibly well-adjusted and successful adult now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have more from our guest, Chris, as I ask him about the awards he has won for his work and how it felt to receive such grand honors for his photography. To stand out on social media and the internet, for a business to grow, you need branding images that help express who you are and what you represent. Being a driven business owner, you already know your audience needs to see your brand show up on a regular basis before they will trust you enough to work with you. If your current messaging is inconsistent and lacks cohesiveness, then your customers will scroll past instead of click and look more into what you have to offer. With a branding photo session with Girl Boss Photography, you can tell your story through images. Utilizing those images in your marketing and content strategy will enhance your appearance and help build a connection to your existing and potential clients. Girl Boss Photography loves working with small and medium-sized businesses to help them build a strong visual brand. By partnering with you and listening to your goals, Girl Boss Photography will curate a branding session that will tell the story of who you are, what you do, and how you were there to help your clients. If you are wanting to grow your business, improve your online presence, contact Girl Boss Photography to find out more about your options with their branding packages. You can find them on Instagram at girl.boss.photography. Have you been stagnant in the growth of your business? Would you like to see an increase to your revenue goals? Show your clients you are an authority in your industry with a video docu-series, photography, and content strategy package with Girl Boss Productions. A video series will help customers get to know you and allow you to build a relationship with people who want to support you. Using video on your website and in your marketing content, you can increase conversions by 80%. By enhancing your presence on social media and your website with updated and stylish photos, you can zhuzh up your marketing content. Giving it a little je ne sais quoi will grab the attention of your clients, and they will take a little more time to read your post instead of scrolling past it. Utilizing video, photos, and a content strategy all in one package will promote your business to existing and potential clients and help develop a relationship with clients who want to support you, which will result in increased sales. If you would like to know more about how you can enhance your business with video, contact girlbossproductions.com today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Chris D'Amico. Chris talks about the importance of personal relationships and how putting people first is the only way he wants to do business. So you get into photography and you've been very successful with your photography where many have struggled and even failed. What do you think is different about you that has brought on your level of success? Um, I, I feel like... There are a lot, I feel like there's a lot of artists out there that are much better at the craft than I am. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because that was kind of the whole purpose behind starting this new reactor company. But I feel like I can point a lot of my successes personally and professionally to just trying to be nice, trying to always assume positive intent, trying to, you know, kind of listen more than I speak. Um, you wouldn't guess that from this interview so far, but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like, I feel like there's a, if you can figure out a way to be good to everybody in your life, 
in some way, and it doesn't have to be these crazy things. You don't have to like kill yourself serving people, but if you just be nice to people, I feel like that goes a long way. And I feel like that has opened doors and kept doors open that probably would have closed otherwise. Um, and then with that, you know, I just, I, I love, I love diving into the details of photography and of image making. I'll see something online that I'm inspired by and it's like, okay, why does that look like an illustration? They, they're not doing this technique, which it doesn't look like it. They're not doing this technique, so it's got to be retouching. Okay, why are they retouching it that way? You know, and so it's just, I love that kind of level of, of kind of nerdery around the craft. So I think, and I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind pushing that boundary and kind of being like, let's figure out this look, let's do this thing without um, kind of being willing to do it myself. And I feel like that though has come from years of dealing with people that are very cranky about things that are kind of ridiculous <laughs> and I'm like, it's cool. Don't just, just take a breath. Who cares? You know, big deal. Yeah. So I, I feel like those kind of, and that's kind of a circuit. Did I even answer the question? <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling now. <laughs> you are answering the question. Yeah, absolutely. I think kindness goes a long way and your, your intrigue of curiosity of how to capture the image, image, how to make it better, how you can put your own spin on it speaks a lot about you as an intellect and as a creative and by putting people first, you're not, it sounds like you're not so much worried about the bottom line. We all have bills to pay, but it sounds like in your craft, you've been putting people first and then the money has been following right. that path. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something too, that, um, for years, I, I just recently took it off. I've, I've got, I had chief janitor on the bottom of my email signature. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, Mostly in jest, but kind of not. Right. <laughs> but it's one of the, the idea that, you know, I, don't, I mean, because, you know, I hire grips to do this and, you know, uh, lighting directors to do that and DPs to run cameras and other photographers to run bays and stylists to do, right? And I, I am a firm believer that regardless of your position on set, everybody's got a role, but I don't think anybody <laughs> should be above something. I feel like, and I and I'm not saying that you want the 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 executive producer taking the trash out. At the same time, they should be willing to if that's a need, right? And yeah. so I feel like there's a there's a cultural thing that I feel a lot of folks maybe I don't know. I don't want to talk ill of anybody. I just feel like if we could all come back to that center and be like, there's nothing. I I I like you. I I love what we're doing. I want the best results. How do we get there collectively? Does that mean I need to take out the trash and I'll take out the trash? You know, right. mm -hmm. I feel like that's the approach. And I feel like that, yeah. that probably has gotten us further than anywhere else. It makes a really big difference because you're, you're walking into the environment humble and you're not bringing in an attitude and you're recognizing that everybody there, everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, deserves respect. I remember in a theater class, my professor said, the most important person is a janitor because he or she has the keys. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool way to put it. I never mm -hmm. thought about that way. Yeah. Writing that down. Because how often do you run into a president of a company who doesn't have the keys and needs a janitor? 
Oh, yeah. Shoot. We've run across them. Don't worry where the front door is. Just stounds me. <laughs> I know. It's like, how did you get out of bed? Okay. <laughs> That's why you have people to take care of you. I got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it how did it that... feel? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, it is kind of funny that we um, we do have to deal with um, some, some handlers, you know, yeah. here and there with uh, some of our clientele, as I'm sure most most photographers do. I mean, we, we all shoot, um, I feel like, if not, even if it's, you're doing portrait work, you still end up with somebody who is somebody at some point that, that has a, a handler. Um, and there was one, um, and I won't mention the company because it's, it's a big company, everybody knows it, but we had the opportunity to go up and shoot some executive portraits for them up in the top of their skyscraper in another city. And, and it was very cool. And, and the majority of the folks were fine. And the, uh, I'll never forget it, the poor chairman of the board. Um, this guy was, I don't know, I'd say mid-50s, like older, but still young enough to know better, you know? <laughs> he comes wandering in like Mr. McGee, you know, can't find the door. What are we doing? How come nobody told me this was happening? I would have worn a different tie. And his poor handler's like following him with a shirt and tie. And I thought, hmm, Wow. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> once once he got settled and kind of calmed down, he was great. It was just kind of a funny right. thing, just kind of watching that exchange happen where he's like, this wasn't on my schedule. What are we doing here? Da, da, da. And she's like, sir, sir, sir. <laughs> like, oh, poor thing. She just has to, I can't imagine what she has to put up with at her daily. And then probably too, she's also probably also halfway running the company, right? Because she's mm -hmm. like, I would ask, but I know he's going to say this. So we're going to do it. So probably right. very powerful in her own right, right? Yeah. So. Everyone knows they go to her if you want something exactly. done from exactly. him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Really, she has all the power in that relationship. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> How did it feel when you began to win awards for your work? Because you've won some really impressive awards. Well, thank you. Um, it's just fun. Um I've heard a lot of argument about against um, creatives and kind of um, creative companies kind of doing awards, you know, everything from the Addy Awards to the to the Oscars, frankly. And I think um, I don't remember. I don't remember who said it. It was one of the one. Of, it was a director. Um, and so the reason we have these awards is so that we can recognize within our own community when somebody has does, done, done something that affects the rest of our community in a positive way, which I thought was a really interesting way to put it. Um, so anyway, it's just fun. I think it's, it's fun. We, um, we have not submitted work for any of those awards in a long time, uh, which is kind of a shame because we've got some really, really cool stuff that we've done um, that really is just sitting on ice, kind of waiting to be released or, you know, post-pandemic um, advertising is a little different than it was pre-pandemic. So um, but it's just, it's fun. You know, you get dressed up, you go to a show, you sit at a table. A lot of times you get to see people you haven't seen in a year, or maybe two years, maybe a lot longer yeah. than that. Um, yeah, the last, uh, I think actually, I think the last Addy Awards I went to, um, I was at a table with two agencies that are no longer around, which is kind of wild to think oh, about. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. 
<laughs> yeah. So how did you find opportunities to work with companies like Tyson Foods, Viking, Singer, Polaris, the National Guard? <laughs> that's it. That's a... <laughs> Yeah, that Those were some wild. big names. Yeah, they they are. It was funny. I we just had a call with our. Uh, we have a marketing director um, now that we're working with from from Wonderful Machine, um, and she's been absolutely spectacular. Uh, but one of the funny things that she mentioned, she was like, "I need like a section on the website that says go big or go home,' because everything's like, why work for that when you could go to the top, you know." <laughs> um, but all of those relationships, all of them started with with a, with a with a one on one, with a personal connection with somebody. Um, Tyson was with a friend of a friend that needed something for some tiny little grocery outlet that needed to be shot for some specialty cheese offering, and then that grew into this relationship where now he's the manager of national sales for a small distributor that then became and then. You know, two years later, he's like, hey, I've got an opportunity with, with Tyson. I've got an opportunity with Walmart. I've got an opportunity with, you know, these, these huge companies. I'm, and it was it really just started with me going back and being like, I this is not really what I do. But, yeah, I'll help you out. You seem like a nice guy. It'll be fun. It'll be a different day. We're going to have a great conversation because I've never met anybody that has ever professionally spent their career in the grocery store. Okay. Sure. Tell me more. Tell me all the things, you know. Right. And then, you know, hey. Same, but the same relationship. He, we're working on some stuff that's going to be released to Kroger and to um, Myers and to IGA, and I think Sam's is going to pick it up. Sam's Club is going to pick it up. So it's just again one relationship that just snowballs. Um, the National Guard was a little different, though. I, that was a cold call. They needed somebody to run out and basically act as an embedded reporter for this National Guard training and then also record those images for the agency so they could advertise the National Guard lifestyle. So that was that was a crazy that was a crazy job. I can't imagine because yeah. those images of the National Guard are intense because you're right there like the mm -hmm. guns are going off like you, you, that's not Photoshop. No, that's they said IEDs off. I had a flak jacket on. Like it was, yeah. We breached a couple of doors and the doors blew back. Um, one of them took out one of the cameras. Like it was, it was the real deal. Oh, whoa! Yeah, it was, it was intense. But it was fun. Wow. You know, it was like yeah. I've never done, had never done anything like that. You know, where I'm. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much our cameras cost anymore, right? <laughs> However, insert really expensive piece of equipment that's very fragile and sensitive to light, heat, and moisture, and then put them in an environment that's full of light, heat, moisture, sand, <laughs> all the things. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. But what's interesting about that too is some of those guys I worked with on that project, we've never worked together again however if i put something on social i feel like they're some of the first people to be like this looks great how cool so there was a certain level of relationship that was even built there that just becomes kind of personally a, a special thing instead of again it's not always about the bottom line a lot of it it's about the experience the human experience you know mm -hmm. and that story i mean come on it's a great All story right. it sounds great ridiculous I'm like, it's a great story. I have a great shot. Tonight. One other thing about that National Guard 
thing. I've got a great shot of all the guys, all the photographers around the team, and we're standing on the steps of this weird training facility. It looks like a cross between like Raiders of the Lost Ark and you know something from like Transformers. It's so wacky. Um, and we're in the middle of the desert in Arizona, and everybody's all like, and there's this one guy who's up at the top of the stairs, just <laughs> just this giant huge cheesy smile it was just i don't know it's just it's it kind of encom- it, it very it encapsulated the whole thing because we were like tough yeah and we go through and we'd look and be like oh my god did you see that <laughs> the thing just blew up you know you catch that i think mine's overexposed but that was amazing you know <laughs> that would be a really fun opportunity <laughs> and what are these experiences like for you? Because you are setting up into a different scenario of photography and doing video for sewing machines versus Polaris and the National Guard. None of these environments are the same. So what is it like for you to prepare for these opportunities? Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. I, I feel like, um, how do I put this? So I love, I'm a sucker for hip hop music, right? But also one of my great loves is classical music and jazz. But I also like, from time to time, I like a little metal, not gonna lie. So I feel like that's a little bit of what's in my personality that I, I don't, I don't mind living in a world over here for a second and then coming over here and living in a world over here for a second. Cause I, and I feel like as a creative, it's easy to dial into one thing and do it really, really well and be really, really good at it. But I, I think part of my <laughs> thought process and prep for any of those things is I go, what does that client want and how can I make that the best possible mix that I can? Um, one of the shots we did for Singer, um, we took a, it's called a serger, which is a, an overlock machine, like makes the, the finishing edge unclose. And they were doing a whole campaign um, for these sergers. And it is a white machine on a white table, on a white background, on a white Oh, wall. no. And we kind of go in, okay, how do we do this? Because they want everything to look bright and airy and open, you know. Um, and so we were like, what if we what do you fix with a serger? Like, why would somebody have one of these? And our, one of our clients was like, you know, I fix my pillows with it. And I thought, there's something. So after a little bit of brainstorming, we came up with the idea to drop feathers all over. And it was, you know, five or six shots yeah. composited together. But you effectively have a white machine on a white table with slightly off white and gray feathers that causes a layer, right? So I think the image came out really dynamic because you've got effectively now 10 or 15 shades of everything on the top end of the spectrum, right? Because they wanted that white, open, airy, super approachable, fun shot. Well, to take that and then go to say some of the stuff we did for military systems group where we are in the woods, in the dark with Humvees and dudes dressed in armor and they're like, make it look cool. Well, at that point, the thought process is, okay, what's the client selling? What are we wanting to say about it? 
and then let's find a way to have the environment kind of speak back to us. So we would put lights behind one of the trucks that we gel on bread. So it makes the, the flash would look like the taillights of the vehicle. And we would hide lights effectively to spotlight where the headlights would be. You know, things like that where you just begin to shape the environment around what that object is. A lot like the serger where the environment is like, okay, we have to keep everything white. How do we break that up to make it look visually interesting? So it's a, it's a similar thought process. Um, but again, I think it's, it comes to loving contradictory things a lot of times, you know? Yeah. And taking a photographer's worst nightmare of a white item on, against a white background reflected by a white everything and putting it into a manner where now you've created a story that's going to make it appealing to that prospective customer. But again, like you said, you put your, you start thinking about the scenario, but you put the, the client's needs first and then you tied mm -hmm. in your creativity. And I think it's important. I think it's vitally important. Um, especially when we think about photography specifically, it's our job to capture an idea, a scene, a narrative that then we let the audience stare at for as long as we, as long as they want, right? It might be a moment as they scroll past, they may stop and stare at that thing for however long, right? So I think that's something that's always in the back of our mind when we start to build conceptually what that looks like. You know, with video, the editor gets to tell the person how long they're gonna look at it. Now they can watch that 10 times. And there's nothing saying they can't pause it, but generally speaking, the mindset is, they're going to watch it once, maybe twice, and then move on. With it still, you, you're, you're living on that. There's a potential that someone would open that magazine or open that publication or open that web page, and it sits on their screen, it sits on their desk for however long. So with that, I feel like it's always important to think about how that narrative, how those layers of texture play visually, but also whatever that client's message is that's putting us there is the thing that still lives, if that makes any sense. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like it's a absolutely. little bit of a stretch conceptually, but I, I also feel like it's kind of like you have to start there and then back into it and be like, what's going to make somebody look at this for more than, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the, the Facebook thing is, you know, what is it, a third of a second as people yeah. pass, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So. That's going to grab the okay. eye and tell the story. Right. And right. with... And with your photography, it ranges from dark and moody to vibrant and bright. A lot of photographers cannot photograph in such a versatile range. Like when you look at a photographer's work, it'll be very, you know, you can tell that they're using this particular light setup over and over and over. And that's their comfort zone. And that's what's working for them. Some, some photographers can only shoot indoors. They can't shoot outdoors. And you can shoot in a very versatile range of lighting situations. And you're consistently achieving high quality work. What do you feel is your skill set that you have to set you aside and photograph in such a variance of these lighting situations? Well, thank you for thinking all of my work is high quality because that could be debated. <laughs> um, uh, you know again I think it goes back to 
looking and seeing what's there. And also, I think something is I don't I don't mind trying something and being like, wow, we tried that. It looks like hot garbage. Let's try something else. I'm not afraid <laughs> to be a little self-deprecating <laughs> when I try something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We photographed something together in a, in a, a garage. And uh, there were these grinders and all this stuff. And I remember we lit one scene and we took one shot and we looked at each other and we're like, nope, nope. But it's, I feel like, I mean, I've been doing this now, oh my gosh, for professionally for 23 years, which is crazy. So I feel like I failed enough times to be like, well, there's a, there's not a right way to do that, but I know the wrong way to do it. So I'm not going to do it that way. You know, so I think that, I think it helps, but also I think that's the, the biggest thing for any of the young shooters that are trying to, okay, how do we break out of this? How do we do this? How, you know, is don't be afraid to just, just try it. It's, you know what? And it probably will not work the first time. That's the best part about digital, right? You're, you, you didn't, you didn't spend two bucks pulling a Polaroid <laughs> to realize that it didn't work. It's totally free, you know? shoot it if it works great if it doesn't who cares relight it move it you know i think you know even with like portraits and events and weddings and stuff if you got an idea grab a couple friends and go try it and again there's a good chance that it might not work but there's also a chance that it might be the best thing you've ever done so yeah is it worth a couple yeah. minutes I, I would say so so mm -hmm. there's been a lot of that a lot of trial and error a lot of trial and error mostly error you know, but I mean, that's also the thing too. We, uh, I'm shooting some leather wallets right now for a client for an e-commerce project. And these things are mirror finished. They're mirror finished. And oh, of course no. they want them on white and they want them lit a certain way, you know, and the first oh, hour and a half was just like, nope, that doesn't work. Nope, that didn't work. Let's tweak this. Let's tweak this. Let's tweak this. Let's... Until we got to a point where we're like, okay, that starts to look sassy. That's fun. Now there's a nice gradient. We've got a little bit of shadow. There's a little bit of depth. You know, there's a lot of those things that, but again, it's just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And not being afraid so. of it going wrong. Yeah. I mean, if it goes off the rails, start over. Also, mm -hmm. I, I have trouble remembering what I did last time. I think I'm a little bit forgetful when it comes to the technical stuff. So if I, if I write it down, I'm like, hmm, I know we did something like this last time. Let's try it again. So I think out of that has come some um, ingenuity just out of my forgetfulness. <laughs> and being honest. honest about it. Some people wouldn't have the ability to be that honest because they would let their ego get in the way. And then it just turns yeah. into a big frustrated battle where you're like, I don't remember. Let's just try things till it works. There was a, um, a guy that he was an IT guy and I don't remember what, I don't remember our, how our interaction was, but I do remember him, um, telling a story about he got really frustrated at the server and he actually picked up a, a screwdriver and he threw it. Well, he ended up throwing it through the drywall so it stuck like in the drywall this way oh, and no. where it poked out was the guy that hired his office and he thought you know oh no i'm fired the guy came around the corner was like everything okay and he's like yeah i tossed that a little so hard and he's like not a big deal just checking on you um and he said after that experience he realized 
why am I letting something that is just a matter of problem solving get me so bothered that I'm about to ruin a relationship over it? And I thought, there's there's some wisdom beyond professionalism there, right? Yeah. There's, you know, so anyway, I feel like that's kind of the approach, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have time constraints and things have to get done a certain amount of time. So, you know, you got to know when to move on, but at the same time, try it, right? Yeah. It's not brain or heart surgery. Yeah. Nobody's going to die if your picture looks like crap. <laughs> You can always hire someone online to fix it, right? You know, there are great retouchers that are for hire online. Oh my gosh, the retouchers out <laughs> there. Do are, Shoot it right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the challenges that you face with photography, like doing photos with such a wide variety of subjects. Um, the I think the biggest challenges with all the different subjects and all the different types of clients we shoot with is it just education letting them know kind of what best practices are um i'm a big internet nerd so i'm like feel like i'm constantly reading these weird marketing articles about oh this study came out about how many times people click a pink rose versus a red rose and all that stuff and so i we we're kind of constantly trying to bring some of that education to the table and be like regardless of what the product is here, here's some best practices, right? We know that right now people are shopping on the internet like this, or people are looking at things like this, or people are buying these things more than these things. Um, and it's just kind of bringing that to the table and, and saying, okay, I know that you have in your mind this vision of this thing, but 1984 called, they want their idea back, and we're <laughs> going to go with something that will actually push the meter forward. Because ultimately, you know, 98% of what I do is commercial work. So my job is to make them money effectively, right? I'm, I'm a, a, a vehicle for their company to increase revenue. So it is kind of nice that if I'm like, love that idea, let's do that on Saturday. Today though, <laughs> let's do something that'll move that needle. Um, but I feel like that's the biggest challenge because we've also, we also, we absorb so much media. There's so much content out there that we see something we're like, oh, that's such a great idea. I had a client that was in love with that caveman ad from several years ago. Oh no. Okay, great. Uh, I, I'm not, I am gonna be completely honest. I thought that campaign was ridiculous, but you know what? We still talk about it, so it was a successful campaign. <laughs> well, he wanted to do this with golf clubs. Cavemen playing golf. <sighs> okay, you know, but it was an educational thing where I'm like, okay, who's your demo? Who are you talking to? Who is buying your stuff? You know. So I think that's that's, that's probably the biggest challenge with the variety of things because we have you know Singer is still a giant client for us. They're they're incredible. They've been absolutely phenomenal to us, and they let us do a ton of things that I think if it weren't for such a long-standing relationship, that people would be a little scared about. Um, but approaching them about oh let's do this idea, let's do this concept, versus. Um, I'm trying to think somebody that, well, we've got a, we've got a new relationship with a, a leather goods uh, company and they do incredible things and it's, it's all high end and they've, they make stuff out of like the stuff that sports car seats are around. It's, the stuff is phenomenal, um, way, way out of my price range, but it's still really cool stuff to be around. But like their approach is going to be completely radically different than Singer's, right? Because Singer's 
selling in 19 countries. They're just a huge shop. Everybody, nobody has a bad memory of a, of their grandma's singer sewing machine. Well, these guys, nobody's heard of them. Nobody's heard of their product. It's super cool. It does kind of fit in a category, but not really. You know, so their approach has to be completely different. And just kind of walking through that with them and being like, I know that you want to advertise like Gucci and Hermes and, you know, these other giant luxury brands. They are selling a name at this point. You don't have a name yet. You will, but right now we just need to sell the quality, the craftsmanship. The, you know, it's the approach is, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's almost like the bullet points are the same, but the approach is completely different. Right, right. And so you're having these conversations with them to find out who is their ideal client. And then you're looking at, like you said, you've done a lot of research. You pay attention to what's going on so that you can come to the table with ideas of like the cavemen with the golf clubs. That, that sounds like it needs to be tabled, <laughs> but you're at least willing to have the conversations with, with these people, the business owners and the marketing directors and saying, that's, that, that's, that's great. Let's try this along with that. Where I think a lot of photographers don't realize they can have those conversations. Yeah. And I think too, you know, keeping in mind that as difficult it is to be, especially sometimes in a business environment, there's still a person on the other side. They're still going to go home to their partner. They're still going to go home to their pet. You know, they're still going to sit down on a couch and probably do a thing, right? So. I feel like some of that, it's so easy to be like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You know I mean? It's such, it, you know, but it'd be like, that's hilarious. Okay, let's back into that. <laughs> you know, it's just keeping that in mind where you're like, even though my personal reaction might not, might not be like, I don't see the vision for that. Maybe I would. Explain it to me. Keep talking about it. Let's talk through it. Let's see if we can make that work. And then you get to a point where it either works or it doesn't work. And thankfully, I've, we have gracious enough clients that they... Um, Sometimes we'll listen to what we say, and other times they're like, you know what? We'll write me the check. Just make it happen. And then we go, great. We have a challenge. Let's put a golf club in a caveman's hand. <laughs> right. And it's going to look great. It's going to look fantastic. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking I need to bring that back. That might be my next personal project. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Taking volunteers for cavemen. I need actors. <laughs> How did the, the pandemic in 2020 affect your work? Um, it was a challenge, um, just like it was with everybody. Uh, we did a, um, strangely enough, we had a, we had a, a pretty decent year that year, um, partially due to the fact that a lot of our, a lot of our clientele are manufacturers. They, there's a lot of, you know, we make this thing and so they were, we shifted from drop it off at the studio to ship it to my house or ship it to one of the one of my business partners' houses. You know, excuse me. So there was, you know, that transition from going to their office or going to the warehouse and then us shipping it to it wasn't huge. There definitely was a hiccup, but it wasn't quite as as big. Um, I think stylistically, it made me want to make everything bigger if that makes sense. Um, you know, we, I put a story up on my, um, Instagram, uh, a couple of, a couple of days ago where we were photographing this, you know, English muffin. So, you know, that big, well, 
10 feet away, we had a 12 by, and we had three lights bouncing into an 8-foot <laughs> chrome that had diffusion over it. And then that was pushed back into the corner. And then we had another light that was like 17 feet away that was way up in the air that cranked way the up just to give a little bit of a rim shadow. You know, it was just, I feel like, but I feel like that's symptomatic of the pandemic because we shot so much stuff and like, okay, we have a four by four box and we've got to shoot something that's three foot seven by three foot seven. How, okay. How do we, how do we do this? You know? And so I think my post that it's like, Let's get a 6,000 square foot room, put one object in the very center of it, and light giant things around it. I don't know yeah. if that's, you know, probably not the wisest decision, but at the same time, that that's where we're at right now. Yeah, and it worked. Ooh, my chair fell. <laughs> and then you started to transition from photography into video. What was the motivation to start adding video to your, your repertoire? Sure. Well, my degree is in media arts, which is effectively a, um, a major photography and minor in film and video. Um, so it's kind of always been there, but it's always been in the background. Um, it really, it started with a company called Fit Desk. I don't know if they're around still or not, um, but they basically made a stationary bike with a laptop stand. And uh, they had another gentleman do some video work for them. And it just didn't have any of the trappings of what we were capturing for the photography campaign. So I just casually asked the owner, I was like, we can literally set the same exact shot up, use a different light, and basically get the same thing we're getting in the stills, the same feel, the same vibe in the video that you would in the still campaign. And he, he it kind of blew his mind. He was like, I didn't, but I thought video was a different thing. And I'm like, it is. But we can achieve the same thing pretty easily. Um, and that kind of started us providing kind of this quiet video service for all our clients. Um, and then once things started getting bigger, we actually started building effectively video shoots that happened to have a still component. And that kind of began to change some of our clients' minds to think, oh, motion is more important for selling online than stills in our niche in our genre because then people get to see the thing working they just see it in action which a lot of times is more powerful than seeing a still photograph of it for for certain people i mean that's not for everybody but for a group of our clients that made a ton of sense and so we kind of flipped the script on them instead of having a big photo shoot where we brought a video camera to we had a video shoot and brought a still setup so um but it really was just the client need it was the client ask it was you know, us being like, we can probably do that better for maybe the same, maybe even a little less than what they're charging for, just because we already, everything's here. It's just a matter of mm -hmm. adding a few things on and building a workflow around that thing for you. Yeah. And was it your work in video that made you decide to start your new company, Reactor Media? Somewhat. Um, <laughs> some of it, too, is... As photographers, our biggest challenge, right, is scalability. Because you can't be here talking to me and out shooting that thing over there, and I can't be here and shooting that thing over there, right? So it's finding like-minded individuals um, that, are, that are equally talented, more talented, that are willing to come into some type of relational thing. Um, 
to kind of help that scalability rate, that, that growth model. And then ultimately, then like any other business, right? If you have, I don't know, I mean, insurance is a good example, right? That's why I have insurance groups. Because if you go to an insurance company, they're like, oh yeah, we'll insure you for $20,000 a month. But if you join this group, you could do it for 400, which is still absurd. But the idea being that the group has more buying power, we've got more uh, more things to offer, we can provide more solutions for our clients. Um, so that was really kind of the start of that that reactor idea. Um, it has been a great opportunity for me to explore more motion work, um, which I find very um, I find very satisfying, and I think it's really really fun um, fun way to tell a story. And I think it, I'm such I'm such a movie nerd that it's fun to be like, well, I saw this thing in this movie that I saw back in the '90s, and I think we should try it on this shoot because it might be able to really do this really cool thing, you know. And then having a couple other folks around me that are nerdy enough to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing that, you know. Um, but have that space to do it. Um, I'm working with Nick Bumgarner um, in this uh, in this partnership and. Uh, you know, I say this all the time and he kind of laughs every single time, but I think, I think he's forgotten more about cameras than I'll ever know. I really do. Like he, wow. he will tell us like what the coding on a lens is and why it's rendering a color certain way. I mean, the man is this technological encyclopedia of this stuff and it comes out in his work because he will sit on his, his laptop in the studio staring at a shot of something as, as you know, like a shoe for, for a client a pair of shoes, and I'd be like, you know what? I think I want these shadows 5% less dense. And I'm like, sure, okay. Right, so we make the adjustments. And you look at it and you're like, he was right. That's what it needed. Give me it. You know, so it's like that level of, of, of technical nerdery and mastery over those tiny little details. Um, I kind of, it's just been a great opportunity for me to just kind of give him things to do and then just kind of step away and let him do his thing and then it frees me up to be like if we move the camera from left to right here then that'll create this type of motion so we can right so now i i'm mm -hmm. not the one being like well take a bunch of pictures and then we're gonna try to do a little video and i'm exhausted because it's the end of the day and we're trying to squeeze this in it just allows for a better overall product um which has been a fun it's been a fun exploration yeah, I would think that would be a lot of fun because you're both working for your strengths and you're letting him do the thinking of the technical and you're letting your brain work on the creativity and you're coming together and producing an amazing product. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've really, um, <clears throat> I've really enjoyed working with Nick over these last couple of years. So I'm glad we we're able to, to come to a place where we're, we can try to have a little project together. Yeah. And you see in your website for Reactor Media, imagine what would happen if you could stop wasting resources and start building a solid plan of action to boost your next campaign to the next level. How do you help your clients reach that next level? Well, I wrote that during the pandemic, so uh, <laughs> I was kind of living in a bubble. No, I think, um, I think it starts with listening, you know? There's a, a I've, I went to a kind of a business kind of um, incubator kind of masterclass, if you will, it was about 18 months. Um, and the one thing that I kept taking away from every single session, kind of regardless of what it was on, 
was the the lack of of listening to the end client, lack of listening to the employees, lack of listening to the whatever somebody along the chain wasn't listening. And I thought if we can just stop and listen to what those needs are, listen to what those pain points are, that's going to get us a lot closer to what the client wants. And I feel like that's kind of where that statement came out of because it's like we can help you get there. Let's just let's just talk. Let's just slow down. I know everybody's got places to be. But give me a half an hour and, and, and talk me through what the problem is. Because it may not even be related to photography. Um, we had, a, we had a, a client, this has been a couple of years ago, but they were a restaurant. And their problem was is they wanted, they wanted more business. Well, their parking lot didn't have enough parking spaces. That's not something we can solve with pictures or video or anything else, right? If you got five spots in your lot, you're stuck with five spots. You're not... It's going to be very difficult for you to increase the volume of butts and seats. Mm -hmm. um, but through that relationship, we were able to help them build a splash page that talked about takeout, talk about delivery, and kind of begin to help them think beyond this kind of linear problem. And not say that we we're consultants that need to come in and tell people how to run their businesses. It just it grew out of this idea that that next level for them really had very little to do with the imagery and more to do with the messaging and that we could just be a sounding board and kind of let them kind of throw ideas at us. We came up with a solution that ended up great for us because now we went from doing a menu shoot for them to a menu shoot, helping them build out a splash page, which required more imagery. We did video for them. We did interviews. We did a couple testimonials. We built an online training thing for them so that they had people on the back end that could effectively come be drivers and cooks and all those things for them you know so it ended up being a much bigger project for even us but mm -hmm. it was just listening through what that business problem was so i think that's when i say you know how how can we help you bring that campaign to the next level in my mind i'm going there's a solution to whatever that business problem is can we sit and talk about it because i'm pretty sure we can come up with a really sassy way to to figure that problem out so yeah and again, it comes to putting the person, the people first and listening. Mm -hmm. It makes such a big difference that it's, it's a quick oversight. And I think you really nailed it. Like everyone's busy. Everyone has a place to be, but to really get to the next level of success, you have to slow down. You have to slow down. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's some quippy race car quote that you could stick in there, but right and with your your business exactly and with your business reactor media what services are you offering your clients i mean you're technically not offering consulting but in a way when you sit down with them you're giving them some pretty valuable information yeah well i mean we we do have strategy kind of listed as one of the services um because i think it's so important and I, this happened a couple of weeks ago um we're not a great fit for this for this company um but we had a, a short engagement where i wrote a strategy doc out for him i said okay here's what i heard here's some thoughts here's what i think are some things to avoid and i hopped literally hopped online and googled those problems that we came up with and pulled about 20 articles and i said here's 20 articles relating to what we talked about i don't know if they have any value or not but they're at least worth a view and out of that they went and found another provider and they did some great things. So I think it's so critical to, to find what that thing is, right? Because, I mean, even even little photography, even, hey, I'm going to get two things shot. 
is an investment. I mean, two things videoed is even more of an investment. So it's like, I'm always of the mindset, like, people are going to be cranky if they spend money on, on crap, right? We all are. We've all bought that cheap ear earbuds at the airport that were like, $22, are you kidding me? Probably 40 now, you know. Yeah. And they work for half the trip, and then they're all staticky, right? Well, irritated about it. So it's kind of like, how do you avoid that professionally? You know, how do you keep that from happening? Um, anyway, um, but yeah, so back to your question, the services we provide, um, <laughs> the idea is that we're um, <laughs> a media content creator, like we're a, a media studio. So whatever that is, we're kind of, I've been pitching it to say that we we're there to fill the creative gaps. So um, if your creative department is overrun on deadlines and you need us to help you roll out some packaging, we've got some incredible designers that we can oversee so you don't have to. We're fully equipped to do full production. So photos, videos, photos and videos, but also if you just need somebody to edit all that interview footage that you took back in January that you haven't touched, we can edit it for you. We can color it for you. We can make things match. The idea is to fill the gaps for people who are trying to fulfill a creative need in their silo of operations. So sales, marketing, internally. We're working on something internally for a company right now that will never see the light of day as far as anybody else, but was just building a really, really good internal presentation so that comp people in the company feel good about what their, what their, their new CEO is talking about. Um, it's just, it's, that's, that's the idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and it's really nice for a prospective client to be able to go to someone like you and have it all basically in house. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's so with the way the economy is and has been, and probably will continue to be, I just, I constantly hear about like, oh, well, we just laid off all of our creative department except for our two graphic designers. And I'm thinking those poor designers, yeah. they lost all their layers of management. They lost all the people that have been doing it for 30 years that can tell, that have the, the wisdom to tell the, the brass to be like, that's not a priority. Get out of here. I've got, this is my list of priorities and this is a list of the things that the team executed. And they just left for these two designers that are just now drowning under the weight of what was a, you know, 15 person creative team. You know, we've mm -hmm. heard that several companies. So if there's a little model that we can come in and just, just be a little bit of a vent for some of those folks, then they're going to do better work. Yep. We could do some fun work some people we haven't worked with or more work with folks. Mm -hmm. So. And do you feel your success is due to luck or your hard work and talent? Maybe. <laughs> um, I, 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 there's been a lot of hard work. One of the things that I think people don't see about um, entrepreneurs and soul props is when we're up at five in the morning and we're there to get emails out the door because we know the kids wake up at 545 because they've got to be out the door by 630 and we've got to squeeze some type of a walk or a jog or something in before the day gets rolling and our first calls at 715 and then oh, by the way, we've got to do a thing after the kids get home, I got to go do this thing. And then I've got to be at a business thing until nine o'clock. And then I'm on my laptop till 11. So I've got to get up the next morning at five to finish the thing. So there's that component to every single business operator. 
I don't care who you are, if you're, you you have had at least a season of that in running your own business, running at the top level of your a business. A lot of people are doing that with their regular jobs too. So it's there's that level of hard work that I think comes into all of it. And I think out of that builds a tenacity. Hopefully it's tenacity. Hopefully not spite. <laughs> Hopefully it's tenacity. <laughs> uh, but also I think, you know, I, I wouldn't call it luck, but I, I feel like, I feel like if you put positivity out there, it returns. I think that there's, there's, there's something to that. I feel like, you know, and you can call it whatever you want, you know? Um, but I feel like certain vibrations echo, right? You know, if you're happy Absolutely. and you're positive and you try to encourage things, you know, it's that whole winners win, losers lose thing, right? Same outtake. The the winners are like, oh my gosh, wow, that was incredible. And the people that have this kind of a self-deprecating attitude are like, oh, I can't believe I barely squeaked by. I would, right? You know, so it's that, I think there's something to that where you're, you have that, that positive energy and that positive outlook and you're trying to be kind to people. I feel like that comes back. So I think there's, there's definitely a component of that. There are definitely phone calls I've gotten because one of my grips was really nice and helped them out the door and they were super impressed you know and you're like what a weird how did okay sure of course you know so i think there's something to that mm -hmm. the universe provides i feel if you're putting out the energy the universe is going to recognize that like you said it's a vibration and it comes back to you And what is it that you love about what you do? Hmm. The, th my, the three favorite, I'm going to make a complete sentence. Stand by. Here we go. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> they can be. <laughs> the th I think the three things I love the most about my job. Um, I love stories. I love a good story. And even if the work itself is not providing a really clear narrative, the people around it always are. I have yet to meet, the, it's almost like the more boring the product, the more interesting the individual, which I think is an interesting curve. And I feel like that on the other end too, it's like you have a really interesting product. We, sometimes you even don't, you don't connect with the people because you're like, this thing is really cool. Um, but just the stories, the narratives, the people. Um, and I I love, at the end of the day, looking at something and being like, wow, we did that. There's a satisfaction to accomplishing a very difficult goal of creating something really cool. You know, there's a, um, a we've got this great client. They make these beautiful handmade shoes. They're sustainable and they've got these all of these incredible programs for you know minority work and it's just it's they're they're doing a great job and they recently picked up another client that added to the the ask um for us which is you know great for them that's why we're here is to help them grow so hopefully it was there's some correlation there um but nick and i were reviewing images after the first day and he pulls up this screen you know it's just I don't know how big his screen is with 27 inches, something like that. And it's just rows of just beautiful, pre-retouched right out of the camera, beautiful images that just are, they're just perfect. You get an idea of exactly what each one is and the different nuances of the soul or the this or that. And it was, I just, those moments where you're like, okay, that's cool. We did that. We did that today. 
I don't know. I think that's a really cool moment with that sense of accomplishment um, of creating really something really beautiful and kind of being able to stand back and have that moment go, whew, yep, that was a lot of work, but we did that. Nice. So I love that part. <clears throat> yeah, it has to be incredibly rewarding and to have that gratification of your hard work and your creative talent and to be right there in front of you. And it's nice, too, to see that um, kind of sense of accomplishment on some of the some of the guys and the gals that we work with, you know, because we all we all we've all been there when we get done with something. We're like, eh, good enough. All right. Time for margaritas and tacos, you know, <laughs> and then to, to to end the day and just be like, yeah, we crushed that. You know, there's a sense of like, I don't know that kind of permeates beyond just like doing really good work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have a dream photo or video session? Um, no, I, I don't know if I do. I, I jokingly say half joking, if I could do anything, I would be in a different city around the world. Um, every day and um sample a local dish wine cocktail whatever and fly my drone obviously that's hyperbole i maybe once a week but um no i don't i don't think so i the process is so much fun um you know we we uh we get to touch so many things we get to talk to so many people it really is if there are two days that are the same um it's because we messed the first day up and had to redo it you know, yeah. so that, that helps. And you, you have a quote on your okay. social media by the Dalai Lama. Once a year, go someplace you've never been before. Where is someplace you want to go that you've never been before? So I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting, really interesting quote. Um, I'm a big quote guy because I feel like maybe it's we're inherently what, I do makes me busy by nature. So I like the idea of having that little quote, right? And I mean, it's every, 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 again, every business owner, every exec, every person that's been where they're responsible for, you know, 55 things. I think we all share a, a, a kindred of just the busy, right? You know, you do four things and then 10 more things are behind you and you never can get ahead of it. So I love these idea, these little quotes, these little kind of nuggets of wisdom. Um, and I haven't looked into it, but I almost wonder if the translation of someplace is maybe a little more broad than a physical place. If it's a mental place, if it's an emotional place, if it's a spiritual place. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of like that idea. So I think one thing that I would like to explore one place that i've never never been i would like to go to some place like in indonesia or in iceland or something like that that's relatively remote and find myself to the top of a cliff and just sit and experience that that thing um i've never been to indonesia or iceland so both those would count i guess right <laughs> um, uh, yeah but just adding that extra layer of just we're we're so plugged in. We're so, we're, you know, there's constant screens and everything. It's like, what, how interesting would it be to go to a place like that and just sit and breathe? Yeah. I don't know. 
That's a goal. That's a great goal. And I think when people start to find opportunities to put the screen down, they begin, I've noticed this on, of course, social media posts, but like there's a photographer, Theron Humphrey, he is in Arizona working on a project and he hasn't been on his phone and he made a comment, I think it was yesterday, that he was finding himself at a much, his dopamine levels were higher and he was feeling just like joy and happiness about life again. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put the phones down. <laughs> Yeah. And you have a, yeah. a photograph of a, of a quote that states, if you want something you've never had, then you've got to do something you've never done. When it comes to achieving your goals, doing something you've never done can be really, really scary. What would you say to someone out there who's longing for something they've never had? So there's another quote, since we're in the quote section. Um, Nelson Mandela said it. Um, he said it, it seems impossible until it's done. Right. So I feel like if you kind of smash those two together, right. It's always scary. And I do understand having to have boundaries and, 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 um, you've got to guard your heart. You have to guard your mind. But at the same time, None of us know that we don't have only this run on this rock. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But nobody alive knows. So try it. You know? I mean, and again, you've, you've got to know yourself. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your peace. All those things. However, you've, if you don't push yourself, you're not going to go anywhere. You've got to be bold enough with yourself to say you got to love yourself enough to 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 try something that might make you uncomfortable but ultimately might yield you a great reward and especially if you're longing for something um i feel like that's kind of the brain space that you have to be in um i think it's important to as especially as creatives we have such a tendency to see the finished painting and not stop and go, that person worked on that for three years. So the journey almost always becomes more important than end goal. So what about that journey is terrifying? What about that journey is not terrifying? And then maybe take that step that's not terrifying that might lead you to that step that maybe is a little less scary because you're one step closer. Yeah. For what it's worth. Baby steps. And what are your yeah. goals for this year? I'd like to sleep more. Um, <laughs> That's a good goal. I think um, <laughs> uh, goals for this year. I mean, we it's we just launched this reactor thing, um, so it's growing that, uh, getting into a lot of different conversations that are, um, you know, valuable to people. You know, not just talking to talk, but talking to to go somewhere. Um, I uh, I would love to have. Um, some really great conversations about journey making community, um, kind of growing the community here, um, in, in Nashville, middle Tennessee. I feel like there's so many incredible creatives. It's like, I feel like we just need to have more conversations and more like, how do we kind of continue to foster this community? So it continues to grow because 
everybody's I feel like so many people are splitting disciplines you've got chefs that are musicians and musicians that are photographers and video guys that are chefs and you know it's all you've got all these things and everybody is just these crazy crazy talented creative people um how do we begin to foster that community a little more how do we encourage each other how do we you know as a group kind of begin to really raise each other up um so I've uh, I would love for for us to be able to be just even a small part of that, you know. Um, and then I think selfishly, I've got some ideas for some short films that I think we want to try to do this year. So we might Excellent. do a little entertainment work. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but it'll be fun to try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So there's there's my goals. That's fantastic, and I I agree. Creatives. My very first mentor told me, "Creatives support creatives." We have to. Yeah. And we stand stronger together than we do apart. Absolutely. So if someone Absolutely. wants to learn more about you, your services, what you do, like where can they find you? Sure. We've got a brand new website. It's reactormedia.io because we're nerds. Um, and uh, you can go there. There's a bunch of pictures up there. Um, you can always reach out to, to Nick or I. We'll, uh, we'll go have... We'll go have coffee, lunch, a whiskey, I don't know, whatever. You get to pick. Um, yeah, Instagram, um, admittedly, I have not been great at the um, the company profile, but my personal profile, which is D'Amico Photo, um, I'm on there probably more than I should be. Um, so you can always hit me up there. Uh, we've got, we're going to start doing a great um, web series here pretty soon. Uh, it's just kind of a town hall style thing where we're just going to get together and Maybe we complain about clients. Maybe we praise our clients. Maybe we don't even talk about clients and talk about, uh, you know, somebody lost a bet on some baseball game. I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't matter. Um, so we'll be starting that up here in a couple of months. Um, so we'll be looking for, looking for that. Um, and I'll put all that information on the website. Um, yeah, that's what I got. It's great. And I'll get all those links posted in the show notes. I know you're super, super busy and taking this much time out of your schedule is very much appreciated. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. This was great. Thank you for, for taking the time and for the crazy questions. Those were, those were really hard questions. Good. I got to keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. Somebody does, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you're right. <laughs> got to keep me guessing. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. That's it with Chris D'Amico. It was a lot of fun to talk with this man who has really grown personally and professionally throughout the years in an industry he absolutely loves. And by being genuine to who he is and what he stands for has brought him success over the years. Next week, we talk with Danica Danielle, a hairstylist and makeup artist who believed that she could, so she did. And that has led her owning two salons and traveling across the U.S. to do hair for a variety of incredible opportunities, celebrities, and red carpet events. And that was like a little Mercedes-Benz commercial. And then she asked me if I would go to the NFL draft with her in Nashville because I was, I'm local in Nashville. And I was like, yes. So I went with her and did her hair and makeup for her at the NFL draft in Nashville. So I worked with her for a while, and then she got married and moved to L.A., so she's not here in Atlanta much anymore, but um, 
Yeah, she was a really good client. I enjoyed working with her. What was it like to be at the NFL draft? Oh my gosh, we being with her, being at the NFL draft and being Maria Taylor's hair, hair and makeup artist was a dream because we had access to just you know, we didn't have to we were, we were escorted in on, you know, like on golf cart golf carts. You know, we just didn't have to and we were on top of like all of the rooftops and she was of course doing her thing and I was making sure she looked amazing and I mean it was it was it was it was a dream. Hey, thanks for listening to Journey to the Rise. Please do follow us on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to follow us on Instagram, our account is at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode is researched, produced and edited by Girl Boss Productions. And remember to be kind to yourself. When you're kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise.